Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about a lot of different things here. We're going to be looking at uh, what the SPY is doing, what uh, all the different major markets are doing, looking at if uh, my Tuesday call on Thursday's episode of having more of a sustainable rally is realistic. We're going to be looking at some earnings from Lockheed. We're going to be looking at uh, some Tesla news. We've got a lot of different stuff going on. So, um, yeah, but if you are here for the first time, thank you for stopping by. And uh, if you have been listening for a while, thank you for that as well. So, uh, yeah, I guess first off, we're going to take a quick look at what uh, is going on out in the uh, the overall markets. We're originally on uh, last show. We were talking about the fact that we could see more of a sustained rally in the short term. I'm going to say in the short term. Uh, from the standpoint that things have been beaten down so bad. Uh, now we have earnings coming out that are looking pretty positive. We had a lot of the bank's earnings go good. We had Johnson & Johnson look pretty decent. Uh, Lockheed Martin rallied. We saw that this week as well. And uh, on the five-day, when we are looking at uh, the S&P, we are more or less flat. But uh, in a lot of different names, we have seen some big movement and uh, this week has really done well for us. Uh, so when I uh, when I was looking at uh, Lockheed Martin, for example, uh, you know, on week 42, the investing challenge, I was talking about the fact that defense stocks should hold up really well in this environment. One, from uh, recession, we're still going to need national defense. Two, we've got the war going on over in Russia and Ukraine. We've got a lot of different uh, armor in military, you know, uh, equipment being used on the daily, and we need to replenish that supply. So my thought there was uh, L3 Harris for a couple different reasons, but uh, Lockheed also was on one of my short lists that is one that I would have been buying. And uh, just over the five day, I'm just going to take a look at this. On Monday morning, uh, we were at 399.50. And then we got some good news coming out, uh, good earnings. Um, I think the guidance was reconfirmed or even raised. And uh, now we closed the week at $456. We had a $56 swing in a stock like Lockheed Martin with a market cap of $119 billion. It's not a small ship to move is my point with the, the market cap there. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of need for these products. We've seen it kind of time and time again. And uh, just one that you can really be in with a lot of uh, room for safety, especially when it's sold off. Now I'm not rushing to get back into it at uh, at that 450 range, but uh, one that you might want to take a look at or even some of those other ones that we were talking about, all the other defense contractors that haven't quite moved that much uh, in the past week might be a good time to take a look at those. Uh, we also saw LAM Research, um, ticker is LRCX. We saw them kind of rocket higher as well on uh, another good earnings and uh, outlook that was uh, raised. And I believe they got some upgrades from some different analysts as well this week. 
that uh, really drove this one higher as well. Um, what do we have? And we got a couple buy ratings this week. Uh, one at 525, one at 405. Uh, currently, we are sitting at 370. And there is a high target of 800 out there. Someone's really, really bullish on Lamb Research. And uh, at a price of, uh, or a price to earnings multiple of 10 times, definitely one that I think uh, is undervalued at the moment. I am a little bit nervous about some of their annual revenue forecasts for 2024. Those numbers, the last I looked, they were in the negatives. And uh, that is definitely concerning for me. They aren't too certain about this uh, this future growth. That has certainly been a, uh, a lag on this stock. But uh, with some of these updated revisions and showing that uh, things are going to get a little bit better for them, uh, I am bullish on that chip sector. I've said that before. It's not my first call to be buying a lot of these names. And the fact that uh, this one was $731 back in January, it definitely got a haircut. It's definitely got that uh, that PE multiple correction that we were talking about at the beginning of the year. We saw that that was going to happen in a lot of names from these PE multiples being so high, so above average, that uh, ultimately they had to correct. Now, this one, I think, has overcorrected. I think that 10 times earnings is uh, is too cheap. And uh, it is one that I would continue to add to if I were looking to build up more of a chip position in my portfolio. Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, we've got all that news. We've got uh, what else happened out there? Um, take a look here. We've got uh, some Tesla news. Their uh, their th- uh, quarter three free cash flow was three point three billion, uh, and only two point eight nine billion was estimated. So that came in nice. Uh, we also had that there. The battery supply constraints will be one of their main limiting factors. Uh, they did kind of backroom talks, announce a uh, smaller car, smaller than the Model 3, that is going to potentially sell more than all the other Teslas combined, which would be a cheaper model. We will see if that actually happens, and we know how that goes with Elon. He'll talk about it, and it's a it's a 10-year plan, but people get excited on day one. Uh, so that's definitely out there. Their, uh, their energy storage products were, were the, the big driver this year. I want to say that it was about 60-some percent year-over-year uh, year increase on the Powerwall and some of the battery packs that they sell. They are cranking those out left and right. So that was definitely a big driver for sales that uh, we really didn't expect. So that was definitely good to see. The price has been going down on Tesla. And I think a lot of that is the fact of the the Twitter deal and Elon potentially having to sell uh, a lot of different shares. He still has, I think, 14% of ownership of Tesla, uh, followed by Vanguard being the uh, the number two owner. But um, yeah, we're currently trading at 214. We were a high of 414 last November, and uh, the low was reached uh, on 1020 on uh, at 202. So that was that low was met this week. Now, going forward, I still do think that they have uh, a lot of different ways to grow their business. It's not just the uh, the EVs. Like I said, you do have the, uh, the solar uh, component. And you've also got uh, the battery component, Tesla insurance, uh, all the different offshoots of all the different businesses that uh, Elon does manage uh, also have some kind of link together. Overall, they, they tend to have uh, some kind of correlation between them. So there's a lot of different things that they can lean on. Uh, they certainly still have all the battery technology. They cert- certainly still have the uh, 
the best charging network out there. Uh, so all those different features kind of come into play when we look at the future of EVs and uh, where that is going. And uh, definitely something that I think is a, a strong competitive advantage for Tesla right now. Um, now, going forward, we've also got uh, Uber. They're launching a new dedicated advertising arm in their uh, ride hailing and food delivery apps. So they are looking to get into the advertising market as well. We've got Palantir and Hertz that uh, announced a multi-year uh, partnership to modernize its technology platforms to lead in electrification, shared mobility, and a digital-first cu uh, customer experience. And uh, I think that's going to be a good sign for Palantir. Also, um, the fact that they're going to get a little bit more in those commercial clients, kind of get away from, uh, maybe not get away from, but add to their their client base and get uh, some more on that commercial side rather than just the, uh, the government and military type side that they are typically known for. Uh, Hertz, I mean, definitely... We know that they had the uh, the Tesla deal where they were buying uh, what was it 100,000 Teslas to be uh, brought into their fleet. Uh, so that's definitely good. We're definitely seeing some growth in those realms, and uh, the two of them partnered up should certainly be a good thing. Uh, Taco Bell or Yum Restaurants they opened their first fast food uh, EV charging station restaurant, uh, according to Electric. And now that one looks like a kind of like a drive-through or a uh, what are the the fifties style restaurants that I can't think of at the moment? Uh, yeah, like a Sonic where you kind of have like the solar panels covering the parking spaces, you park underneath, foods brought out. That's kind of what it looks like to me. And uh, I guess it could be a, a new thing in the future that you know you're you're charging while you're stopping and eating things like that. Uh, so that's definitely a new kind of concept that I haven't seen thus far. And uh, yeah, McDonald's is actually uh, selling a small number of Krispy Kreme products at select locations. So there's a lot of different uh, things going on with partnerships and these companies trying to work together in order to um, kind of, you know, take steps forward and find some other ways to, for some more growth. And uh, yeah, with that being said, uh, I've been looking at uh, something that's a little bit different than what we normally talk about. I've been looking at the wage gap to the, the price of houses, and that's definitely a problem. And I, I definitely see that it's a, a big problem for a lot of uh, millennials to be order in, in order to buy a house. You know, I think when my kids are at that age, um, you know, how much are they going to be making versus how much is a house going to cost when they're uh, at that age? And we've definitely seen the value of homes go up. We are slowly seeing the wages go up. And there's just this big separation there as far as I'm concerned. Like I wouldn't want to buy my house today knowing what it would sell for uh, versus only, you know, uh, 11 years ago. So we've got uh, this big gap, right? And I was looking at, uh, this is an article on CNBC that um, it's basically covering the last 50 years in the housing market. And it says, even after accounting for inflation, home prices have jumped 118% since 1965, while income has only increased by 15%. Now, remember, that's uh, after accounting for inflation. So you do get that uh, that bump up with inflation uh, in included in, into this. So when you look at just 15%, it doesn't seem right. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing they did the math and, and checked all their uh, their sources here. It says that this is according to a separate report by online brokerage, Clever Real Estate, based on census data. 
Uh, so yeah, definitely this wide gap. If you look at the chart, it's uh, it's kind of staggering that uh, the wages really haven't gone up versus this uh, this home price. And uh, that also made me think like, you know, I want to be able to attach my dollars to uh, to things that are going to be rising faster. And uh, over time, over the past 50 years, anyhow, the, the home prices have been, uh, you know, a staggering difference versus what your uh, what your dollars that you're bringing in are. So I've been thinking more and more that if the market does correct, we do get a housing market uh, kind of slump. You know, I've been thinking I might want to kind of dabble into some income properties or short term rentals or Airbnb, things like that. But I'm just really trying to wrap my head around where to do it, how to do it. Do I want to have a uh, a long term deal or do I want to have like a short term uh, Airbnb style? Is it just going to be I don't I mean, like I, I, I think about flipping and doing stuff like that as well. But uh, that's kind of that short-term quick gain where you're in and out. Yes, you don't have to worry about the headaches of being a landlord, things like that. But part of me says, you know, if I were able to buy these houses uh, in 2022 or 23, and then when I fast forward 30 years and the houses are paid off and they're worth double or triple what I paid for them, and I really didn't put my money into it, I had a renter pay that money. Um, you know, that's definitely not a bad idea. And that's kind of a difference between the stock market and the, the rental or uh, housing market is with stocks, you need all that money up front, right? If you're buying $10,000 worth of stocks, you need $10,000. That's pretty much how it works. And, you know, you might have a uh, margin, things like that. But overall, you really need that cash in hand in order to buy the stocks versus in the housing market, you can use leverage, you, you know, you get the you get to borrow from a bank. Right now, obviously, the, the rates are higher. I was pricing out uh, a 30-year, and it said it was at 7.2%, just based off of Redfin. I didn't even go ahead and put any of my information in, just kind of in those stages where I'm looking. And uh, But the, the difference there is that if I want to put 10 or 20% down, um, and that way, you know, you can buy the house for a lot less, and then obviously not have all of that money tied into one property, and kind of just let it cash flow and let the uh, the renter pay you to own the property. So I guess the uh, the leverage there is uh, using the bank's money in order to buy the property and then have someone pay you month over month versus the uh, the stock market where you are paying or putting your money in uh, at today's prices. You're, you're getting all your money in and then you're slowly letting it grow through time. Now, I've, I've never really dabbled into the real estate thing other than having our own home. So I'm definitely trying to weigh all my options here. Uh, the stock market is definitely, for me, easier. You don't really have to have the time of managing the property, collecting rent, fixing things. Um, yes, you know I do some research and make sure that things are still going well when it comes to the stock market. But it really doesn't have that, uh, that labor and aspect involved. So that's always been nice to me especially on the dividend front. They just kind of keep coming on in. You really don't have to do too much with it. But, um, you know, from having a diversified approach and having both in a portfolio or both under your management, I definitely think that it is a good way to go if you have the time and if you can uh, devote some uh, some hours out of your week in order to do that. So I don't know really where I'm going to start there, but uh, I do 
really think that uh, this this price disparity between your wages and ultimately where uh, the housing market is going is definitely a telltale sign that tying your dollars or even the bank's dollars to uh, a faster growing asset like real estate is going to be a better bet than, I mean, obviously simply holding it in a bank account because that's strictly a waste of money, a waste of time. Uh, the fact that you're not getting any of that growth, you're uh, you know being outperformed by inflation. And if you look back at what you know your money would have bought in 1962 versus where it is now, uh, there's obviously a big gap there. You know, a thousand dollars then would have probably bought you, you know, paid for half a car versus today it doesn't even touch it. Uh, so, and I mean, right now it's one payment on a lot of different vehicles, but that's kind of besides the point. So I guess I'd really just want to put my money into something that is going to continue to grow. And if I can even use other people's money in order to fund my uh, my asset purchases in the way of real estate, I think that is a, a good idea. Um, as long as you are, you know, have enough cash flow coming in that if something happens, you got to be able to fix it. You got to be able to uh, uh, kind of weather any storms if uh, the short term rental market drops or if you can't find a renter for your property. That would definitely hurt as well. You know, you have to be able to pay those monthly uh, mortgage payments. Or, you know, you kind of stand to lose the property. That's pretty much the long and short there, which with stocks isn't really the same way because you already own them and you don't really have to do that on the management side of it. So I guess just some some thoughts from me as to what I'm seeing out there, what I might want to do if the market does come cooling down or uh, even if uh, it doesn't and I can find a property to kind of rehab and then rent out refinance it and then uh, roll into the next property that might be an option for me in the future to to kind of get away from some of the backbreaking stuff that i do in order to kind of grow in another uh another lane if you will and uh try to just diversify my portfolio to where i have some other different income streams uh, other than just uh work and uh the dividends and stocks and things like that so just some thoughts and I guess we'll see where it goes. I want to see what the market does. I definitely am looking out for any kind of big deals that come my way. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I'm going to go ahead and take a break. We will be right back and uh, talk some more about uh, some different stocks I'm seeing out there that I think are, in my opinion, they're buys. But uh, I want to see what you guys think. So stick around. We'll talk about them and we'll uh, we'll get that covered in the next part. All right, guys, I'm back here. So we do have a, a lot of earnings coming in this week. I know we've got some some giants in the tech world. We've got a lot of other sectors coming in this week as well. But uh, I did want to take a quick look at Apple and Amazon. They will be recording uh, reporting this week. And uh, there's a lot of cautious optimism out there when it comes to Apple. Uh, we've definitely seen uh, a sell-off with uh, some of the talk of the iPhone slowing down. We had some problems there. But uh, production has remained pretty solid across uh, the iPad, Mac, and iPhones. Uh, although there is a little bit of uh, consumer deterioration there, there's not as much uh, kind of euphoria around some of the products as there were in twenty in twenty one. But uh, definitely a lot of uh, things there to uh, be happy about when it comes to Apple and uh, a lot of people calling for a beat and uh, a solid guidance going forward. 
So I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic with them. I think we have gotten a correction in that price point. Uh, trading now, I think they're up about 4% this week. Let's just take a quick look at Apple over here. Um, so we did go up a good bit this week. We are at 147.27. Uh, I know on the week we were a low of about 141. So definitely good to see it kind of rally back up into the weekend and uh, ultimately kind of get back up uh, a little bit above where we had been trading for uh, for a good while now, probably about uh, two weeks or so. We did find a low uh, back on the 30th of September and then rallied a bit higher. But um, definitely nice to see this one kind of get above where it has been trading on some of this uh, inflation fears out there. Now, when I'm looking over at Amazon, there's a, a lot of different things that point to the fact that we might have a bit of a breakdown in uh, the consumer side of things. Now, uh, their earnings might be fine from the standpoint that, uh, yes, we've had a little bit of a slowing consumer, but uh, they have increased those prime prices. They did have another prime day. They are doing fuel surcharges on uh, different items. They are uh, increasing uh, shipping on uh, holiday items as well. If you want like a rush ship, it's going to cost you. Uh, they are also cutting that labor staff. You know, we were looking at those numbers uh, earlier this summer. They are cutting back a lot of these different costs and they are finding other ways to charge more for their services. Uh, in one way or another, they are going to find a way uh, to really outperform. So I do think that uh, even with a slowing consumer, we might still be okay on Amazon. If it does miss, uh, I think for me, this one would be a buy. Uh, I don't think that the, the consumer is going to stay down forever. And I certainly don't think Amazon is going to stay down forever also. Uh, so right now we are currently trading at 119.80. We did have a low on the 14th of 106.90. So this one has rallied back up uh, in the course of a week. Definitely a, a nice movement there. But uh, if we do retrace below that 110 level, uh, I would probably nibble uh, a bit here or there and, and try to add to this one as uh, the, the consumer is a little bit weaker. Even currently at 119, we still have 42.5% of upside. So still a lot of upside on this one. And uh, there is an analyst calling for a high of 200. Uh, the lowest one is at 118. So limited downside, uh, although I do think we will trade below that number. We will certainly go back below 118. But uh, when we are looking at that 12-month forecast, uh, a lot of people saying the next 12 months is going to be uh, positive. So definitely good to see there. And uh, within the last week, uh, all I'm seeing is buy ratings coming out. On uh, since the 4th of October, we've got 10 buy ratings from uh, 10 different uh, analysts here. So um, and even going back a little further, we've got uh, 15 or 20 that I'm seeing so far. Nothing other than buys on Amazon. So that being said, um, I guess we can go right into the uh, the investing challenge. We will take a look at uh, what we did for week 43 and uh, I will cruise over to the results over there. And oh, we actually do have a tie. And I think I'm going to go ahead and break the tiebreaker right here. We've got uh, five different names in the running right now. We've got uh, Google, Qualcomm, PayPal, Kroger, and Blackstone. And uh, right now, the two that are tied for the lead are Google and Qualcomm. 
And uh, I think I think I'm going to go with Qualcomm on this one. And there's a couple different reasons for that. We have had Google in the running uh, a good bit here. And uh, Qualcomm, I think they have just really been uh, routed by a lot of the different problems that are going on in the chip space. I do think that this one is oversold. Let's just take a quick look at Google, though. We've got Google at a PE of uh, 18.6, which is uh, remarkably low for Google. Um, the low was 94. We are currently trading at 101. Um, that one is definitely near the low. We've got, uh, where are we? We've got 39.3% of upside on Google. Now, when I cruise over to Qualcomm, what do we got over there? We've got 57% um, of upside on Qualcomm. We are trading at 115. And where are we? That PE is a nine. So I think, yeah, Qualcomm is going to be the, the pick for me this week. We've got a quarterly dividend of 2.6%. The upside is higher. The PE is lower. Um, I'm still a huge fan of Google. Don't get me wrong. I do think that uh, Google is a great stock. I want to build that position as well. Um, and in all intents and purposes, I would be buying both in my uh, my brokerage account. But uh, for the investing challenge, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to Qualcomm. It is trading below where I said that I would buy this one. Uh, I said if it got below that 125 line, that would be a stock that I would look to add. It did that. We know why. We know that the, a lot of the pressure in the chip space and the fact that we aren't shipping to China has been a big problem. But, uh, you know, the Qualcomm chips are still in the iPhone. Uh, Apple's looking like it's going to be a, uh, a solid quarter as far as I'm concerned. Production's been good. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the nod to Qualcomm on this one. So I'm going to go ahead and close this one out. We will be buying this one on Monday, probably around lunchtime. That's when I always aim to get my buys in. Uh, so, yeah, if you're following along, Qualcomm is going to get the nod for week 44. And now going forward, we are looking wait, week 43. Now we're going on to week 44, if I said that wrong. So uh, a couple different stocks that I've really been watching this week. And um, a couple that did report some earnings, a couple with some different announcements. And uh, we'll just dive right into it. So the first one is going to be Salesforce. That is ticker CRM. Now, they've been on a, uh, a push to get this annual uh, revenue up and, and just kind of keep on growing. So they were talking about uh, their plans for 2025 and up to 2030 and how they want to just uh, be growing this revenue base so drastically. And it really kind of caught my uh, attention when I was listening to it. So uh, currently we are rated a buy. We've got uh, over the past, past five years, we've got a 59% positive return. Over the past one year, we are down 45% on this. So definitely one that is cool this year along with the broader market. And uh, currently we have about 40% of upside when we are looking at Salesforce. We've got... 17% of annual revenue growth for 23. We've got a 34% forecasted revenue growth for 2024. And uh, where are we at? Let's, uh, on the forward PE basis, we are at a 49% discount. So that's kind of right in line with the amount that they've fallen over the past year. So I thought uh, Salesforce and the fact that everyone's going more online could be a solid way to uh, kind of play this one while it's down. 
that was more or less my uh, my thought process on a uh, a company that is going to be more needed in that uh, customer relations and you know that link between uh, a company and their their clients. So CRM Salesforce is uh, going to be stock one for week forty four. Now going forward, we've got uh, another one in that uh, defense space, that cybersecurity space that uh, has just gotten too low for me. And uh, that name is going to be CrowdStrike. I know this one's made it regularly on the uh, the investing challenge as well. Uh, I know it was there in week 30. I'm, I know that it's been uh, up on the, the chopping block for a while. But uh, one that has had a strong growth as well. And when I'm looking over on Reuters, it is uh, pretty close to a strong buy. And they have also traded down about 45% on the year. But uh, one that I think is getting too cheap. So the price target reflects uh, 36 different analysts that uh, have a, uh, a price target that is 56, excuse me, 56 percent higher than where we currently are sitting. So that average price target is 240, and we are sitting at uh, 153. So definitely one that ha has a lot of upside here. Now this one is even more heavy on the annual revenue growth. So it is going to be in growth mode. Now for 2023, uh, we've got 53% of uh, revenue growth. And then for 2024, we've got 110% uh, forecasted annual revenue growth. So one that is just in growth mode that uh, I think should do really well going through a recession. As I said, with uh, Lockheed Martin and L3 Harris, all the other defense contractors, we can't get out of uh, cybersecurity. We just can't do it. We have to have this uh, security for everyone to do everything that they are doing on the web, whether it's shopping or browsing or uh, putting in their DNA or, or whatever they're doing. We need this security for national security for individual companies. So card information doesn't get lost. And it's it's more or less a necessity at this point. So I think that CrowdStrike uh, certainly can reach these numbers. They are a large player in the in the uh, in the space and uh, one that I don't want to bet against. So they are number two for week 44. Now, going forward, we've got uh, another one that uh, I know earlier in the year we were kind of looking at this one, and it had gotten beat down on some subscriber growth that had dropped. Now, this one um, is going to be Netflix. And... They did have a, a awesome day on Friday. They went up about forty-four dollars, uh, about sixteen percent to two ninety-one, uh, and that one is going to be. Uh, uh, they're going to crack down on the password sharing. They are looking to um, really grow this thing more. They are doing the the ad-supported, cheaper profiles. Uh, I think that's going to be coming out next month. So just a lot of different things going on for Netflix. That uh, ultimately should help this one. Plus, I think that it has gotten uh, too cheap and really oversold on that slowing uh, subscriber growth. So currently, it is rated a hold. This is kind of going to be a uh, one that if it's for you, it's uh, it's definitely something that we could add into the portfolio just on the the, the outlook being a little bit brighter than where it was. Uh, plus, having this uh, this different way to get more people onto their own profile is certainly going to be something that could uh, drive some more growth. 
they're going to find more ways to really separate um, different households from different passwords and different accounts. So the uh, the annual revenue growth here uh, for 23 is looking like it's going to be 14% higher. And uh, there's really not so much of upside when it comes to price targets right now. It really hasn't caught too much in the way of these upgrades yet. Um, I think we might be getting some upgrades here soon with some of the different things going on. But uh, it is trading at a discount on that trailing PE. It's a 70% discount trading at a 23.8. And the five-year average is a 78. And then on the forward PE, it is a 56% discount of... The forward PE is a 28 and a half and the five-year average is a 65 and a half. So a lot of different discounts there. And uh, it is one that is trading much lower than uh, it has been. Uh, even on a price to sales, it's trading at a 3.6 and that five-year average is an 8.4. So one that has just gotten uh, cut back significantly and uh, could be ready for a pop uh, if and when things turn around. And we've also got this different uh, tier where people are going to be buying in for the uh, the cheaper price, but uh, they're going to be getting that ad revenue as well on Netflix's end. And then going forward, uh, we've got uh, one we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, and that one is Lamb Research, and uh, the ticker is LRCX. So again, that chip space is just one that I don't want to avoid. This one is trading cheap at 11 times earnings. Uh, you're getting about 1.9% in a dividend. And uh, just a lot of different things going for uh, Lamb Research that are looking good. They did raise their guidance. We've got um, a buy rating from 28 different analysts. We've got a price target appreciation of uh, 24%. We've got uh, annual revenue for 23 being up 6%. And I did say this for uh, 2024. The, uh, the the price or the uh, annual revenue is going to be dropping and that's going to be dropping 6.8%. So one that uh, I think we have to figure out what's going on going forward with US and China. I definitely need to figure that out. But um, one that should do well with the, uh, the amount of demand that is out there in the chip space. So I don't want to write this one off. I think it is trading low. Uh, there are some concerns out there. But uh, I think most of them should be able to be solved, uh, especially if uh, U.S.-China relations kind of get those figured out. And I think we're off to the races on Lamb Research also. And let's just take a look at the price chart here. Like I said, we were 731 back in uh, January. We are currently trading at, uh, call it 370. So definitely off that um, that high significantly. I do think we can get back uh, into the middle and definitely have a nice pop on this one. So that should help us going forward as well. And then to, to wrap this one out, we had uh, talked about Tesla earnings as well. So that's going to be number five. And I do think that Tesla has just gotten too cheap as well. So at 214.50, um, it is trading well off the highs of uh, 414. And we actually just set the low in on the 20th. So we're definitely uh, at that low point. It looks like it wants to rally. I think when some of the sell side pressure from Elon stops, uh, we will certainly have a uh, some breathing room. And uh, I think that deal set to close on the 28th. So we should be in the clear uh, by next week in order to buy this. 
So that's kind of my thought there is we will be buying it after the Twitter deal. And after he does any more selling, we should be able to get it at that low price from all the sell side pressure. Uh, it is a buy rating on it. They do have a lot of growth. They got four upgrades versus one downgrade in the last 20, 120 days. 37% of upside. And uh, we're still growing on a lot of different revenues here as well. So annual revenue for 22 was 54, 54% up. 23 is 122% up. And let's get back down to the uh, the trailing PE, 24% discount on the trailing PE, 59% discount on the forward peg ratio, and a 51% discount on the forward PE. Yes, there's other EV companies coming for them. Uh, I think they have a lead in battery tech, in charging, in home battery storage, and uh, the solar panels, the mega walls, or the, the power walls. And uh, just a lot of different ways for them to make more money. The uh, the Tesla insurance is really linked to how you are as a driver, how much you go out of your lane, how closely you follow. It's all recorded from the car, sent to Tesla, and they give you a driver score based on how you are driving every day. So your insurance rate can fluctuate, but uh, if you do uh, keep a, a more of a distance and you're a safer driver, it will be cheaper that next month. So that's pretty cool also. Uh, so yeah, that's the five stocks that I've got for you guys this week. We've got uh, CRM, Salesforce, CRWD is uh, CrowdStrike, NFLX is Netflix, LRCX for LAM Research, and TSLA for Tesla. So please get your votes in over there on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. If you are not a member, join the group. I will let you into the uh, the chat. And we're going to be sharing up-to-date information on that page as well. So that's what I got for you guys today. We are buying Qualcomm tomorrow, and we're getting the votes in for these next five stocks to buy next Monday. Uh, we're starting that uh, today. So uh, with that being said, thanks for stopping by, and uh, I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.